Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about some fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And that makes me the father, Jim. Nice to have you with us here today as we once again dig into the fires of heaven. We're getting very close to the end of the book. We've got mm-hmm. a couple of really exciting chapters for you, which for those of you who are watching or listening sequentially through our episodes, probably feels like it's been forever since you heard anything. How many episodes have gone between? Well, as as these drop, this is 218. The last one that was Wheel of Time content was 211. So, Mm. yeah. (laughs) Mm. Bit of a gap, but the wait was worth it. Trust us here today. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It's one of our evening recordings, as you can tell by my outside. It's dark. So I'm already in some PJs. I'm comfy, cozy, and ready to record. How about you? How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing all right. Yeah, doing okay. Good work week. I'm still at the point of time with my work where it's summer schedule, so Mm. I'm home more. Things are a little more relaxed. It's going to start picking up in a couple of weeks, and then it's going to be crazy for a few months. But right now, it's still very pleasant, and it's so nice outside. So I've been doing a lot of of grilling, using that pellet grill. Y'all don't have a pellet grill yet. You should check it out. These things are sweet. I don't have a pellet grill yet. (sighs) Yeah, they're not cheap either, though. But Ah. anyways, yeah, that's going good. I also am drinking today. Oh, my goodness. It's just a lemonade. I mean, it's a hard lemonade. but It's a nondescript, non-sponsoring lemonade. That's right. You know, recent episodes, I've been drinking water. Because mm-hmm. I am working to lose some weight, and I had Correct. something weird going on with that my tongue. Well, I had my doctor's appointment yesterday to say what the heck's going on with my tongue, and he basically said, eh, "Yeah, you probably screwed up some bacteria in there. Give it time, you'll be fine." Just ha- well, and it doesn't hurt to keep drinking water. Let it reset a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you feel more comfortable drinking now again. Yes, I'm still not doing much. I mean. This will be it today. And there's not exactly a lot of alcohol in a hard lemonade. So how about you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking something that's decidedly a little harder than yours, probably. But there's probably also less of it. You remember when we went to New Orleans and I got us that cognac? Yeah, I never finished mine, which is to say I barely drank any of mine. So I'm drinking some of that. Okay. Well, I still have my bottle of cognac. I mean, there's no cognac in it, but I have the bottle. bottle. It's fancy. We can put it on a shelf. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Uh, some notes before we jump into the content today. We are pushing 400 YouTube subscribers. We're very close now. I Wait, why, just where are we pushing them? Like we're pushing cliff, them or to, no, we're pushing them to stay. Please oh, okay, stay. Okay. But yeah, I, I looked just before we went on. We are at 395. So we're still bit by bit climbing the mountain. Thank you. I love just occasionally listing these numbers because, you know, Sometime down the road, someone's going to watch this episode 395 when they know we're like at 5,000 by then, you know, they'll think it's quaint and funny, you know, in 12 years, perhaps. <laughs> <sighs> so big news yesterday. Did you catch the four minutes of brand new Wheel of Time season two content that was tacked down to the end of episode eight of season one? You know, I know it exists. I did not seek out watching it yet. Oh, it's so good. It's it's a chunk of the Dark Friend social. It's brilliant. It's well done. And so many aspects of it made me immediately more excited than anything I was about season one. Well, good. Yeah, I'm encouraged. Uh, Those of you who haven't yet watched it, by the time you're seeing this. (laughs) How? By the time you're seeing this, 
I don't remember off the top of my head when this drops. By the time you're seeing this, have we gotten the first three episodes of <laughs> season two? I, I'm double checking. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't know if we have confirmation that they're going to drop the first three all at I the believe time. we do. Do we? I'm not 100% on that, but I think we do that they're doing okay. A drop of three and then five more. Okay. But no, they uh they have time still. This comes out August 30th. So oh, okay. So you've got two days. Before you could still go grab three that days. content. Three yeah. days. <laughs> All right. You reading anything new now? I am. So I finished Nemesis Games, which I believe is up there in the top right corner. It is. It is. And it's a favorite of many. Still ranks that and way for you. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. I also am reading The Dragon Republic, which I believe is still down there as well. It I is. Really Roly came in to say hi, apparently. Hi, Roly. I don't know if I just didn't close the door or if he got let in. Either way. good. And I started reading a book because a new book in this series just came out like a couple days ago. Well, like a week ago now. I started reading Red Rising. Ah, yeah, it's on my TBR. I'll get to that. I'm quite enjoying it, which is to say, yeah. uh, look, sometimes I'm going to read things faster. Sometimes I'm going to read things slower. It doesn't always mean it's the best or the worst book. But I will say I started this like two days ago and it's an audiobook. I've got like an hour and a half left. So you're powering through this one. Well, that's good. It's grabbed your interest. It's been good. And I'm I've heard very good things for about it to it. keep going. And I may have to just kind of bounce between this series and the expanse for a little bit. Okay. I am still reading We Break Immortals, still reading Night Angel Nemesis. I'm almost done with We Break Immortals. I look forward to doing a book blast or something on that because I had some really strong negative feelings about it at the beginning, and I do feel differently about it now. Mm. But do you have to start a book off in a way that offends and ticks off some of your readers and hope they last long enough to enjoy it? Mm. That's another episode. Risk. Yes. And uh, right in the center of the background is Awakening, which is book five of A New World zombie apocalypse series that i'm reading so i'm just churning through those books there's 10 of them now i'm part way through book five that's my nice. audible one and definitely enjoying it i don't want to waste too much time on this but i did this week actually go through the i think 37 books now that i've read this year and have a current top 10 because i'm preparing for when inevitably we're doing that at the end of the year right yeah probably yeah, we'll do that again um it was not easy and i still plan to read a lot more <laughs> it'll be harder for me because i believe i now have 92 done and still have a lot of the year to go so you've only got <laughs> like three times as many as i do it's not that hard yeah it's all oh so much good fun books but speaking of good fun books let's talk about the fires of heaven again we have two chapters we're starting with chapter 51 news comes to kyrian oh good Rand's news of what well we're gonna find out we're in Rand's point of view as we get to catch up with him as he's hanging out in this city where he's the ruler of all he sees. Kind um, of. We get a humorous scene with him. Uh, he's actually out having a smoke break. So he's like outside his throne room area, out on a balcony garden-like area. And hmm. Salanda is with him, the, the, the woman of the day. He's had a number of women basically coming and trying to insinuate themselves into his inner circle, hmm. throw themselves into his bed, something, you know, trying to get close. We'll hear I'm more. I'm sure that's gone well with Avienda. <laughs> uh, there have been some awkward moments where Avienda has, yeah, taken a hand. These are all actions that are coming from the Lady Colivere, and we'll talk more about that a little later in this chapter. 
but it's all part of Days Damar, the great game. She's yeah. hoping she can find the right woman that Rand will latch on to, whereby she has a tie to the Dragon Reborn. And he's losing patience with this kind of thing. He's like, come on, how many women do I have to go through? And he yeah, really Rand hasn't been interested in has, any of them, of course. Rand has never really had patience for Days Damar. He's very much been a, screw you, I'm not playing your game. And in doing so, played their game. Except... He's a little more mature and politically savvy now, so he is playing the game intentionally at times now. And he does it, for example, right here with Salanda. How he gets rid of her is classic. Do you recall? I gave you hints in oh, the notes. If I remember if correctly, fresh. he talks about how uh, he, he talks about the power and that he'll go insane and the taint and basically just dives right into all the fear about male channelers and then kind of plays up. Maybe he's already a little insane. Mm -hmm. He even offers to, you know, like lift her up with the power. He can do things with her. It'll be awesome. And then he bends down to kiss her and she squeaks and runs out. <laughs> it's like, no, not that. Cause for everyone who tries to get close to him, they're also intentionally trying to put a block in their mind to forget the fact he's a male channeler. Mm-hmm. Because we learned about that books ago. That's like the boogeyman. You don't want to be around a man who can channel. That is extremely dangerous. I mean, it feels a bit rude, even if it is, you know, accurate. <laughs> now, in the midst of trying to deal with Solanda, he's just also thinking, pondering things that are on his mind that we get to touch base with again. One is that it's freaking unnaturally hot. Mm. It's not, are you waist hot? But for Kyrian, it should be moving into fall. And it's nowhere near. It's still the press of summer, for sure. He's talked with Moraine and Asmodian about the weather, and they're on the same page with him. Yeah, this is not natural. Something's going on. Not that they can think of anything to do about it. It's just, hmm. Now, something he can do something about is Samael. The Forsaken who came at him during the Battle of Kyrian. Yeah, the one down yeah. in Alien. Mm-hmm. So Rand is putting together a plan there. He's got things in motion already. And it's all working towards an intentional plan where he will just sweep in and crush Samael with one fell stroke and take over Ilian. One more country in his pocket. Uh, he looks out over the city here and he sees his dragon banner up on that highest tower. Like mm -hmm. he told them to leave he, it on just that tower. Yeah, he said just that one. It's also scattered on a whole bunch of towers. Yeah, it turns out lords aren't real great at listening to you and doing what you tell them to when they don't understand why you're telling them that. And so they really are going, well, he must have meant something else. And it was like saying something, but he didn't really mean it. And it's like they're interpreting right. it off of what they think. Literally, that he's a shepherd. Both the, the lords of Tyr and the lords of Kyrian have that same take you just described. It's like, surely he didn't mean all of them. He, just one? He's the Dragon Reborn. He must have meant something else. Yeah, exactly. One. The tallest one. And a few others. <laughs> Kyrian is bursting with people. Is on his mind. All sorts. There's refugees that have fled the, you know, all the war-torn civil war. And then I yield that we're roaming. It's nasty. Mm -hmm. There's merchants mm -hmm. in town. Because okay. there's a lot of people, there's money to be made. There's lords coming in with their retinues their soldiers mm -hmm. all coming to the flocking to the dragon reborn they want to be part of this okay there's hunters for the horn still you Come know someone up. should really tell them that it's been found <laughs> at some point because they're just gonna keep wandering and thinking that they're adventuring but they seem so happy we don't want to burst their bubble they don't all seem that happy 
Now, why are they coming specifically to Kyrian in numbers? Oh, because the glory follows the dragon. And, you know, yeah. prophecy ties the dragon and the last battle to the horn. So, you like, eventually they have to be together, right? It just seems logical. This would be the great place to find it then. But uh, does prophecy link the dragon and the horn? I didn't say the dragon and the horn were linked. I said the dragon um... and the last battle and the horn. Because all three of those are linked, but not necessarily to each other. Okay. Okay. It's an important thing to note. Uh, there's also Ogier. Now, there haven't been Ogier in Kyrian for a while, because they weren't getting paid, so they left. They're back now because things have changed, and maybe people will pay us, so they're here to help with any like, stonemasoning. There's a new guy in charge? Will you pay? Maybe? To be determined. There's adventurers. I like this description. Adventurers. Now, they might have shortly been bandits, but now they're I mean, adventurers here honestly, for what's coming. Any good adventuring party at some point probably was referred to by a ruling class as bandits. Was it accurate? Maybe. Who's to say, really? There were even some white cloaks that came to town. They, however, did not stick around very long. Yeah, they're not super welcome. <laughs> Rand is busy focusing on putting infrastructure in place, setting up plans, putting people in the right spots so that the peace that is taken over now stabilizes. Because he doesn't plan to stay here permanently. No. And he doesn't want it to fall apart the moment he leaves. Like last time when he left and they started a civil war. And he wasn't even so, in charge that time. So some of the things that he has in place that are coming about is uh, grain. He had grain shipped up from Tyr. Those shipments have started arriving. They're Yay, finally actually showing up. Uh, there's less Aiel in town. The Aiel freak people out. He's got them out, actually, on missions. But one of the things they're doing while they're out doing what he said is eliminating any bandits, any any civil unrest that they come across. Revealing new adventurers who happened <laughs> to be on their way to Kyrian. Yeah, we're just, we're just a, a happy party headed to Kyrian. No trouble here. It didn't no. No? nothing to see. No. Nothing to oh, see. Yeah, you can walk us to town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Another thing on his mind is he's got a note that came to him just recently. Barrelane mm. and a small army from Mayen are headed this way. They're just a hundred miles south of Kyrian right now. Now he's he notes that the note asked about Perrin. Was Perrin with him? And he finds that a little odd. I mean, why is she asking about Perrin? What might one make of that, Zach? Look, Marilyn might still kind of be looking to shack up with Perrin a little, kind of. Or, other way around, most recent interactions that Marilyn and Perrin had may have freaked her out a little bit. And she may not be quite so keen to see him. <laughs> Both of those things, kind of valid. <laughs> One of those could be the main truth. All this time. Now, Rand, I mentioned, was out having a smoke break. Okay, smoke breaks over. He's gotten rid of Salanda. The, the pipe is out. It's time to go back into the throne room and deal with these nobles that he's been working with. Mm. So re-entering, there's a whole bunch of people in there, both Terran and Kyrianen. And the conversations that he re-enters to get, give us more nuggets of what's been going on. Uh, we do get identified like the three leading Terran lords and the three leading Kyrianans as well. There's mm -hmm. more in the room, but these are the three that have the highest rank for each what do we group. got? So there's Mylan, Torian, and Ericom for the Terran lords. 
we've heard at least Mylin and Toriad before. I think we've heard of all three. I think but so, yeah. but like Eric Home, do I remember him? Not really. For the Kyrianans, we've got Lord Dobrain, Lord Maringill, and Lady Colavir. See, I said we'd get back to Which, her. All of the above, I don't know if we've heard of a whole lot up until this point, but at least two of the three, I'm take note of. I'm not telling you which ones. <laughs> uh, hiding in the shadow of Colavir is Salanda, <laughs> the one that he scared and ran off. So clearly she was sent by Colavir. Of them all, the interactions we see here, it's clear there's only one that Rand kind of doesn't mind too much. And that would be Lord Dobrain. The way he speaks to Rand, the way he conducts himself, it's clear this is kind of a no-nonsense guy. He's not all the flowery stuff and trying to constantly wow the Lord Dragon. He's just, okay, you give him the stuff to do, I do the stuff. I'm good. Which is honestly surprising for a Kyrianan. Right? Now, it's not just self selfless here. You know, all these lords are trying to please the Dragon Reborn, hoping... It will earn them more power, credit, acclaim. They just are all doing it differently. Maybe even the Sun Throne. Yeah, maybe even. Some approach this by sucking up to people. Dobrain does it by actually trying to serve well. Not quite being a yes man, just, you know, actually following orders. Right. We hear conversation of some things here. Uh, one of these I already mentioned. I'm going to skip it. Uh, the Terran Soldiers. Mm -hmm. he, he does check. Rand does make a comment to Mer um, Mylan, Torian, and Ericom about how he's quite certain they've been very faithful and loyal to Rand's directions, and their soldiers are well on their way to Tyr now. So he are sent they? them south, and he knows they? they're not. He knows they're not. So it's like I, I'm standing out at my balcony right now. Um, I see a whole bunch of uh, cook fires over there. <laughs> On the horizon, Th that's where they are. This is where he's gotten more politically savvy, though, where he says, you know, I know how loyal you all have been of late now. I'm sure there aren't a whole bunch of Terran soldiers just about 10 miles south of town instead of already well on their way in the direction I ordered them. And one of the lords, I think it was Mylan, responds, oh, of course, my lord, they're they well down the road. I will ride out with you in the morning to prove they are not 10 miles away. Rand's Meanwhile, like, he's just like subtly with his hand being like, just, shit, shit, shit. Uh, just sent a messenger. Go, go, Run! go. Move, <laughs> move east. But Rand doesn't really care. He just wants results. So he knew a way he could say something that will get what he wants without necessarily having someone lose face. But at the same time, by saying to the guy, I know what you're doing and I'm displeased. Tact, man. Um, Marengill, one of the Kyrianan lords, then brings up a touchy subject because uh, there's Andoran soldiers who basically have invaded Kyrian territory over by the border. They've crossed the river. They're not in Andor anymore, and they seem to be like setting up camp. And not only that, there's rumor that they're there on orders because Queen Morghese of Andor has been speaking her claims to the throne of Kyrian, and this is a mm. first move towards taking over the land. Why is this a little touchy to, to raise this issue to Rand? Because he's clearly raising it saying, because we want you to get rid of these soldiers. They're in Kyrian, and they shouldn't be here. Well, there's a couple of problems here. One, Rand is Andoran, by birth at least. Strangely enough, that's not the bigger problem. The bigger problem actually is some of these 
Lords from Tear, they know that he and Elaine were kind of like interacting well. Things were good between him and the royal line and Andor. Maybe he said he intends this throne for somebody. Maybe it's all just a whole play to get more gays over here on the throne and her expanding is actually part of Rand's plan. That might be the one he had in mind. You're right. Let's not do that. Uh, We'd love to kick them out. Heck, let's take some of their land, right, Lord Dragon? Now, Rand's been clear in the past that he chooses not to be clear. And he didn't tell them who this throne is actually for. It's intended for someone, and that's all they need to know. And likewise, he's not clear now, and he says, I will address the Andorran claim when I'm good and ready. He doesn't say how he'll address it. He doesn't say anything about it. Just, that can wait, basically. All right, he's had enough of these nobles. He dismisses them all, except Lady Colavir. Mm. He says, uh, Lady Colavir, a moment. And then he pulls a classic Game of Houses move. What does he do to her? Uh, he flirts. Sort of. I mean, he very subtly is like, you know, that young one you sent my way. Sorry that you didn't send my way. That just happened to be my way. You know, she's nice, but like some men, maybe even me, we prefer an older, wiser, more experienced woman. You more know, mature. a woman like yeah. yourself, uh, like yourself, mind you, you know. And she's been sending all these women towards him, never herself, and nor would she ever dream of herself. And he informs her, come to my rooms at uh, 6.30 tonight. I I don't remember if that's the exact time. Uh, We will dine together. It's not a request. It's an order. And she's like, gulp. I was about to make a really dumb statement question of being like, does their day-night cycle work the same as ours? Would they have like 6.30 properly? And then I realized... It's the same world. It's a wheel, same world, which is a different yeah. age. Yeah. Granted, the amount of time of ages, who knows? But that's a tangent to go down in a completely different episode. Anyways, she's clearly a little distraught at now being seemingly the target of Rand's interest. And now she's going to have to stew for hours that he wants her to come to his room for a meal. And what? Did he mean that? He's interested in her. What does that mean she does? He's delighted at how freaked out this is going to make her now. Turns out the game of houses is really fun when you're the one in the biggest position of power and get to do whatever you want, really. Of course, he does have the fleeting thought, does she want my favor so much that she actually might come ready to boom, 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 chicka, boom, boom? And (laughs) it's okay, though. There's a little piece of him that's just able to in the back of his mind even if it's not written in the book go i can just tell some Aiel and they won't let her <laughs> well then he dismisses Golivir. that leaves him with only one other person in the room jason natal the court of bard of the dragon reborn you know asmodian he's been in the background oh, yeah. playing music the whole time occasionally the music changes to fit what he's hearing or the mood he sees someone doing it's this rather entertaining background but after just a couple of moments, in walks Moraine, Egwene, and Avienda. Nice. Now, anyone else, the maidens who guard the room, would have knocked, would have stuck their head in, announced who was there, and check if it's okay if Rand wants to see this person. They never do that with these women. Yeah, no, these these three? Nah. Nah, they have as much respect, if not more, than Rand does with the maidens. So they can do what they want. So they just waltz on in, unannounced. It's and good again, for him. Being we're in Rand's POV, 
we get his perspective on a fact that this is the first time he's seen Egwene in six days because they had a big blow up argument. There's been some tension here now. Do you recall what the argument was about? Um, rem remember correctly, she told them some stuff about Nynaeve and Lane and all they've been learning and stuff. But mm -hmm. like basically said, hey, here's some stuff. I know some stuff. You can't ask questions. I can't give you anything further. I can't tell you why. I'm sorry. It's a secret. No, that's it. Sorry. Bye. Now, I'd say that's close to what she says, because one thing you couched, the way you couched it, would have made it better for Rand. Mm. She doesn't say she can't tell him. Gotcha. She says she won't tell him. It's not his business. Granted, to be fair to Egwene, this is Rand's POV. Mm -hmm. She may have said, I can't. She may have, but he takes but it as he saw it as you've got secret knowledge. You want me to believe, and you won't tell me how you got this information, why I should believe it, how do I even know how credible it is? You won't give me anything. Granted, now of course, totally valid for her to share this but not share and what she will and won't. That being said, it's also totally valid that he can't necessarily act on this information because he doesn't have a valid source. Yeah. Now, of course, we know she's learned it through the world of dreams, communicating yeah. with Elaine and Nynaeve. And some of the bombs that are dropped to Rand is that Masima, that Shinarin, is the prophet of the dragon who's causing all the chaos out west. And there are a bunch of Aes Sedai in a secret place who are ready, likely, to support him as the dragon reborn. It's a little bit rude that the most Rand has actually been told about the world of dreams is like the vague concept that wise ones could contact the clan chiefs to meet Alcare doll. That's like mm -hmm. all he has to work with here. Now, one of the things he comes back to Egwene, and this is probably the thing that tipped off the argument the most. He's like, okay, I Sedai, ready to support me? Where? And she's like, about that. I'm not telling you. Nope. <laughs> Just it's nope. a secret. Like you said before, it's a secret. He's not good on people keeping secrets from him. Yeah, but Rand, here's the thing about secrets. The moment you tell them, they're not secrets. Well, this only drives him to e be even more tight-lipped, and that had been bugging the women. So now they're doing it back to him. It's it's just going to cycle worse and worse. You know, it seems to me if people actually just freaking communicated, everything could have been going a lot more easily. Maybe. And probably. But also, maybe the Forsaken would have been all over that shit. Who knows? Mm, significantly, um, as they're settling back into conversation, a little snipping back and forth between Ran and Egwene, and he learns why they've come in at this moment. It's not about rehashing the old stuff. It's that two letters have arrived for him, hmm. which Moraine has. And he's like, okay, if they arrive for me, why do you have them? It's like, probably because of where they came from. Heck, They're maybe both... they were even sent to her for him. Who knows? Both these letters are still sealed. She hasn't opened them, unless you can fake it still being sealed. But we have the impression from Rand that they appear to still be sealed. They're just being delivered to him. They're both from Tarvalon. He opens the first one, and it's from Elida, the Amerlin seat. Okay. Gross. The other one is from Alviarin, identified as the Keeper of the Chronicles. Also gross. The gist of these, and he, he opens them, reads them, hands them right off to the women as well so they can look at them. Elida, in her letter, it's the shorter of the two, acknowledges he is the dragon reborn. There can be no denying that now. 
So cool. she is sending an escort of sisters to bring him to Tarvalon, where he can be protected until the last battle. Mm, that sounds iffy. It says all due uh, honor will be accorded him yeah, by the escort. But also the due honor that the Reds have historically shown men who can channel is stuffing them in a box and figuring it out the rest eventually. Hmm. So uh, maybe maybe don't believe that wholeheartedly. Rand does note that she didn't even ask him to come. It's clearly a directive. I am sending people to bring you. You will yeah, come. Turns out Aes Sedai and the White Tower, all of this for the longest time, have just kind of viewed any and everyone who can channel as their property, basically. And it's kind of not cool. Even <laughs> if they are the quote-unquote good guys. Yeah. Alviarin's letter, very different tone. She is quite profuse in her compliments and praise, lifting him up in honor for the position he holds. She also warns him that the White Tower, not all things are as they would seem. There is definitely not unity. The, whatever face he sees from one, there's another faction that sees it a different way. Hmm. And, and she's warning him, be careful who you trust. Even mentions, I know Moraine is by you, but she has also been known to have her own agendas and issues. Hmm. So you may want to be careful even trusting her. And then she kind of ends it with saying, I, I put myself into your hands with this letter. I do ask that you not share it with anyone else. I am your humble and committed servant. It's much more flattering. It appeals to his ego. It's also really sus. He also doesn't listen and immediately hands it to a couple other yeah, people. Yeah, Moraine, check this out. <laughs> but I mean, to a certain extent, her letter proves itself to a certain, some parts of it. Uh, she talks about people with divided intentions and who you could or couldn't trust that the white tower itself has different agendas while quite literally showing that the Omerlin seat and her keeper have different intentions. Yeah. He fleetingly comments that I could almost think they were on the same side, trying to manipulate me with these two different letters, except I'm pretty sure if Elida saw what Viaran wrote, she'd be throwing up. I mean, she would not be able to handle this communication coming to me. So no, there's no way they're on the same side. I do want to throw a little piece in here of going, it helps just for the sake of credibility of the letter that Rand has never really gotten to know Alviarin. I think he may have technically met her like once. I believe um, so. Back in Faldara. Uh, Alviarin's a white, very logic based. This does not read like a white. No, this is a very heartfelt, emotional letter. Yes. Proclaiming loyalty and... It's cool. Do you smell that? Oh, it's it, bad. This is this is straight <laughs> pathos, not logos, which is very unwhite. So Moraine asks, "What do you think of these letters?" And Rand shows some growth in his response. Says, "Okay, there may be a rift in the White Tower. All the sisters may not be united behind Elida, but I don't care. I still have no intention of having anything to do with sisters in the White Tower." And I will not be letting this escort get anywhere near me. Now, granted, that right there, to me, doesn't show growth. That shows he's still stubborn. That's fine. The last part here that he pulls out of it shows growth. But keep in mind, when he won't let them near, he makes the specific comment, because 13 sisters, it doesn't matter how powerful or weak they are, could have me in their mercy. I am yeah, not no. letting sisters from the tower near me. It's a knowledge. It's an understanding there. 
but it's still Rand being Rand. It's, that's a Rand that we know. The Rand that we don't know is Rand actually being smart and having the thought of realizing, hey, if this is going on, if these are here this fast, the White Tower has spies watching me. There are eyes and ears in Kyrian. Mm-hmm. Okay, at that point, maidens knock and stick their head in. Oh, someone else is coming who isn't one of these three. That's right. Uh, she's announcing Matt Cawthon has arrived for him. Rand's like, oh, great, send him in. It's only been four freaking hours. Where, what's his excuse? There's a number of things that could go into that, but most of it probably was Matt intentionally waiting and well, trying Matt comes to in stall. And he does have an excuse. Yeah, sorry, I got your note. I would have been here as soon as I could, but I was with some Kyrianen who actually thought they could gamble. <laughs> I just had to, you know, play that out. I mean, if you want, I can give you a bag of gold to prove it, and you can you can have that. I've got six more back in the room. Now, Rand does ask the women to stay, and in his POV, we have it that he specifically wants them to stay because they will make Matt feel uneasy and a little off his game, which will suit Rand's purposes for what he wants to do with Matt. Which, again, shows growth, but not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, manipulation? Hmm... So in the conversation, Moraine does a lot of poking at Matt. So it works. He gets uneasy. But we learn that he's been down in the south of Kyrian and even across the river and kind of having skirmishes with the Andorans. So Rand's already been doing something about the excursion of Andoran soldiers. Matt and his band of the Red Hand have been burning outposts, disrupting supply lines, and in three significant battles with Andoran soldiers winning all of them even though they were outnumbered yeah but it's mad yeah and maureen kind of comments on that you just can't seem to stay away from battle he's like i i know i, I don't try i don't want to like, that really they i just to went, find me i just went to have a look and then it was like oh 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 three oops guess i won there's, there's even a comment from maureen i even heard tell that uh uh, Talmanes and Nelesian had to work their hardest to keep up with you. You seemed so eager to get out there. And I'm yeah, really yeah I was I'm trying like, to get away from them. He was I, trying was to running. get away. They won't let him go. I tried to leave before, you know, the forces were mobilizing so that I could leave. And they read it as his bravery and his determination to get out and confront the enemy. Uh, but before they can get to anything else then that Rand wants with Matt... Matt has gotten so worked up in his conversation back and forth with Moraine and Egwene and them just giving him hassle over his activities that he drops a bombshell. He's learned news while he was out there by the border, and the news he's learned means Morgase, Queen Morgase, must be dead. Oh no, that's not Yeah, good. ooh. Lord Gabriel has been named King of Andor. That's not good. And Kyrian, apparently. Apparently, Morgase crowned him king of mm. both countries and mm. then has not been seen since. And that's been interesting. No, Matt already knows Lord Gabriel is the one who wanted Elaine dead. Yeah, he already knows real sus things about him. Yeah. Matt figures it's not very big leap to see he wanted Elaine out of the picture. So he had an easier path to the crown. Now he has the crown. And, ooh, Morgase is missing. He probably bumped off Morgase. Rand's like, do you have proof? It's like, well, I mean, no, I haven't seen the body. I don't but have... it seems pretty darn obvious. Look, Carpe diem, this is the day. Habeas corpus is, show me the body. 
Latin is weird. Anyways, corpus would be seize the body. Sure. (laughs) Technically. Anyways, we don't have to have that burden of proof here. We just have to understand it's bad that Gabriel's in charge. Yeah, Rand takes this news very hard, especially feeling that Elaine will never forgive him. And the reason for that is Rand knew Gabriel was actually the forsaken Ravine. And he knew that Morghese was Gabriel's prisoner. Yet he did nothing about it. Now, why did he not do anything about it? Because it was probably a trap. Quite possibly. Also, let's just be real here. We're going to give Rand a little bit of credit that he can't give himself. By the time he knew this information, Marquez was leaving slash gone. Yeah, but none of them know that. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knows that. But we do. We're readers. In the back of Rand's mind, he actually thought by not confronting Ravine, Morghese was probably safer. If he made a move, that's where things could escalate and get out of control. And he's like, no, I'm focused on Samael. Ravine can wait. And that's probably fine. Turns out that wasn't fine. That's fine. He's like, man, the whole thing backfired. That's why Elaine will never forgive him. But Rand, Mm. he feels rage climbing now that Gabriel would have done this, that Ravine would actually kill Morghese. And this rage is increasing because of his guilt he feels towards Elaine. So that's it. I'm going to go take that punk out. He's dead. He's a dead man. Dead, dead, dead. I am killing him today. Now, this was not the plan. You know, everything's been focused towards a move on Samael, and suddenly this is being derailed by this news. See, news in Kyrian. Hmm? Oops. Egwene responds, saying, this is not a good idea. I mean, what? You just you just had a war, and you just conquered Kyrian. What, are you going to do another war now at, at Camelot? You know what, Egwene? Momentum. Yes. Keep rolling through. Except... No, Rand's like, I'm not going to take everybody. I'm just going to go take them out myself. I don't need anyone. Now, he doesn't say that flat out, but that's his implication. And they hear. I'll pop over there and I'll zap him to death. It's fine. Uh I'm a bellfire. They hear the inference. Moraine is the first one to interject, just softly saying, tomorrow. And Rand just glares at her, but then acknowledges, you know, okay, fine. It probably would be better to wait till tomorrow. I'm a little too ragey right now i need to be calm the coolest like, assassin right now I i'd have a little bit of a trouble actually grabbing the power because of Possibly. the whole flame and void thing and right now uh-huh. there's just a lot of flame and there's not a lot of void no so yeah we'll, we'll wait till tomorrow and then he tries to dismiss everybody so he can talk just further with matt but the women are not done with him yet they have words. They're going to get through Rand's thick skull and basically saying, you are not taking on Ravine alone. And there's a whole whole scene there, but they make their point. And he caves. Okay, fine. Moraine, Egwene, Avienda, you can all come. Fine. We can go the four, maybe a fifth person, but like, that's it. Oh, no. And Moraine's like, and, and I mean, I'm sure you're planning an t- additional Aiel guards as well. And of course, we'll be with you all then. Uh, yeah, okay. (laughs) But then they do leave. So now Rand and Matt are alone. And Rand makes it clear to Matt. It's like, okay, buddy, I know you are a battle genius. You got all this stuff in your head, and I know where it came from. Now, where do we know it came from? Mm, I mean, a number of things, but most notably what is being referenced is that twisted redstone, redstone door frame thing with the eelfin and the elfin. That's right. Matt came through that experience and he has his memory holes filled with all this 
battle genius. Look, he may have hung from a tree for a little bit and come down with lots of wisdom. No parallels there. <laughs> Rand says, I need that knowledge. I've got Aiel clan chiefs that are smart and stuff and all, but I need your abilities here because you can do something they cannot do. And he lays out a plan, which we don't get to hear about yet because that's where the chapter's POV switches over to the women who had left the room. And this is Moraine and Egwene and Avienda, and they're getting ready to go separate ways now. But Moraine makes some interesting statements here. And first-time readers, this is about as blatant foreshadowing as you can get. So Moraine's words here. She says to them, be careful tomorrow. You never know when one of the Forsaken may be near. She says, Rand will need both of you in the days to come. Her point, he will need people who can handle his anger well, who aren't put off by that, and who will tell him what he needs to hear, whether or not he wants to hear it. And they're like, Moraine, you already do all this. Nevertheless, he's going to need you. And finally, she says, tomorrow will be difficult for us all. So I don't think it's too crazy, especially because we're going into the next chapter in this episode. This real sus. This sounds like a goodbye, Moraine. What what are you intending? Uh, we glossed over it, but she said some things to Rand as well in the room before leaving that also sounded a little like goodbyes almost. So praising him for how much he's grown, how much he's changed since she first met him. It's like, why are you getting all sappy? What's going on? Hmm. To end the chapter, we switch to Matt's point of view. Now, he's arriving back in his room after a lengthy grilling and working over by Rand. As Rand tries to impress on him what he needs Matt to do, and Matt continues to duck and dodge and try to not accept the responsibility. But, but I don't want to. Yeah. Now, what does Rand want Matt to do? We get it out of Matt's POV now. So what does he want him to do? Sorry, I moved around in the notes to make sure we were getting to the next chapter today. I don't know where we are. And you're blanking <laughs> on this too long ago since you prepped on this one. Yeah, I, but we're almost to the next book, which I will be rereading. Well, he has sent this Terran army back down to Tyr in preparations for a move against Samael, and he wants Matt to take command. The Aiel clan chiefs can't do it because the Terrans will never follow an Aiel. They just won't. They'll constantly second guess and try to do their own thing. But Matt's already earned the respect of both Terrans and Kyrianans. His band of the Red Hand is swelling in size. So he wants him and his band at the front of the Terrans. And he's going to empower him to be in charge, to give orders. And he knows Matt's reputation. The dude always wins. Yeah. Will command their respect. So that's what Matt's supposed to do. And he's picturing, I do not want to do this. And yeah. Sure, I'm going to walk up to Lord Torian and Maringil or uh, Mylin, and they're all like two, three, four times my age, and I'm going to give the orders. And they're Correct. just going to listen. <sighs> Correct. So he's throwing a bit of a tantrum in his room, yeah. and Melindra walks in, because I guess maybe it's their room. You know, there's still a thing. She walks in and sees this fit, and it's like, uh, what is this about? So he vents a little, and he lets slip something he probably shouldn't have. Hmm. Specifically, the way he phrases something gives the impression that Rand is going to head to Camelin. And also that Matt is going to be, on orders of Rand, heading to Tyr with the army. And those two pieces of information cause a reaction from Melindra. Basically, she tries to kill him. 
oh, that's not good. No, she kicks him across the room and not just a little kick. I mean, an Aiel kick. So he's like knocked silly. Yeah, they have to like use a fly system and everything just to make him actually fly across the room like that. Right, right. When they do this on TV, it would have to. Whole set of wires. And then he's on the ground and he sees her across the room now veiling. Uh-oh, she's ready to kill. And he reflexively reacts by tossing a throwing knife. And he almost can't believe he just did this because oh, he wants the knife back. He can't. It doesn't work like that. When you throw it, it's gone. And it, his luck strikes her dead center in the chest and she drops to the ground. Well, that's not good. Or is it? He rushes to her. You know, she's clearly got a mortal wound now, but she's not dead yet. And he's like, why? Why did you do that? And she makes a comment about some oaths are greater than love. And then tries to kill him one more time. Tries being the operative word because Mass still got that handy dandy medallion and it just kind of skips off the metal and it's like, oop, guess guess that's dagger proof. Yeah, a dagger straight to the chest. Uh, that medallion shouldn't have stopped it. But like you said, Matt's luck. It's one of those silly moments where it's like, oh yeah, the sheriff had a Bible in his <laughs> breast pocket and it just happened to save him from the bullet. Exactly. And with that, She's dead. Eh. Now, there were just a few comments out of her mouth as she was getting ready to kill him. And then right there at the end about an oath and yada, yada. And then he looks at the dagger she tried to kill him with here. And it's clearly got the bees of Ilian etched on the handle. And he puts three deductions together. One, Melindra was a dark friend. Okay. Crap. Two, she was an agent of the Forsaken Samael. That's also not good. And three... I mean, Samuel has his eye on Matt. Yeah. Now, to be, I guess, offensive to Matt, she didn't like have to go digging, searching anywhere to get to this dagger, which means she's had this dagger with her often, and he hasn't noticed the bees, apparently. So I'm just saying, I don't know if Matt's paying enough attention to his woman. I don't know. I, you know, I don't go around checking your mom all the time to see if she has a weapon around that she might be thinking to kill me with no but it doesn't cross my mind odds and ends and accessories that rach has i'm aware of i know what her (laughs) but you live with a texan that's different i know what the dagger that is hanging right on that wall (laughs) looks like in detail Uh, all right that was the end of the chapter let's move on to our second chapter all right this was a little long already second one's probably going to be just a little shorter yeah i'm out so like yeah can't be that long me too But this is all I'm drinking tonight, so I'm just stuck. Okay, this is Choices, chapter 52. Those are good. And it starts off the next morning. Rand is preparing for his day in his room. Avienda's there, supposedly getting dressed, but she's paused contemplatively, and she strikes up a conversation with him, and he notes that, yeah, all she's done is put her stockings on you. Now she's talking to him basically naked with socks. Maybe awkward. put put more clothes on. If you, you know, don't want to get mad at me because you get mad at me when I react in any way, shape, or form. Anyways, in the conversation that they have, a few things come out. One, last night, Rand went and spent some time with the clan chiefs, as well as with the wise ones. And he was there to explain that he's going after Ravine. A change of plan. None of them have a problem with it. Especially the clan chiefs. They're like, no, your honor demands this, of course. It's honestly one of the most Aiel things he's done. The wise ones, likewise, don't disagree, but they do make the point, you uh, 
you know, you have to do this for Elaine. You have an obligation to her. And her, this is about her mom, so you're going to go take him out. But you also have an obligation to us that trumps your obligation to Elaine. Basically saying, don't do something so stupid in trying this. That you die, that we die, that Because if you die, everything's lost. Don't, don't do that. Uh, we also learned that while Rand was out talking with the Yael, Colavir had showed up at his room. Oh, just good. like ordered. Yes. Glad she actually followed through on that. Especially Only Avienda was there. Funny. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> and, went well. Oh, she explains. I, I dealt with her. He's like, well, what did you do? Well, she um, won't be sitting very uh, <laughs> well for the next week or so. Yeah, Avienda escorted her back to her room. And then, yeah, she says, well, the places I left bruises don't show. She just won't be sitting, as you said. Hmm. He's a little uncomfortable with that. But at the same time, he's like... But anything I would have done to her probably wouldn't have been nearly as effective as what you just did. So yeah, thank something you. tells me physical trauma works better on Colavir, better than the emotional mental trauma that Rand was going to be intending. Uh, now, as Modian shows up at this point, kind of sticks his head in the room and says, um, I'd like to request a change in the plan you told me yesterday. Now, the plan Rand had given to Asmodian was, I'm going to go take out Ravine. You're going to stay here. And mm. I want you to monitor the nobles while I'm gone. Hmm. They will know you are here on my behalf, keeping an eye on things. And I'm hoping that will help keep them in order. And then I want to report when I get back. But he says, I'd like to come with you. Because, I mean, I understand what you said last night, but I really don't think I'm necessary here. Because whatever happened with Colavir last night, she was shrieking and screaming in her room. And, and the rumor is she ticked you off. And this was your displeasure coming out at her. And nobody is going to step a toe out of line for the next few days now. They are keeping Turns their head down. They don't you want your attention. You accidentally did the best thing you could for what you wanted. I love hearing that Colavir was screaming like a child. Ah, ah, ah. That's, that's a good I mean, story. I don't think Avienda went easy on her. Probably not. Anyways, Asmodian, he says, I know I'm not strong. And he's kind of speaking in code because... Avienda's right there. I know I'm not strong, but I might still be of use, and I will further prove my loyalty to you by being at your side. Rand's thought is, okay, so I can have you back here or right under my nose where I keep an eye on you. All right, I'll bring you along. No, Rand, that's a solid decision, but also, like, maybe think about the fact that right under your nose is really close to your jugular. Hmm. Just Exiting his quarters then, he notes there are no maidens guarding his room. Now, they were there last night when he went to bed. He should have realized they were missing when Asmodian just walked in without being announced. But he's like, this is probably not good that they're not here. That means they're probably up to something. And Avienda, likewise, is like, basically looks at him and says, what did you do now? Yeah, what'd you, what'd you mess up? Because if they're not here, you did something wrong. He's like, I, I didn't do anything. I swear, I did nothing. That might... Honestly, that might be the problem, Rand. What should you have done? Mm. Now, what he does see, who he does see outside his room is Matt Cawthon. Hi, Matt. And Matt looks like he's dressed to go. And he was there to share with them what happened with Melindra last night. Oh, no. Oh, and Rand sympathizes with Matt. I'm sorry you had to do that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. Sometimes you just, like, pick one that ends up being super evil and serving back bad people but you know 
the me that was me a thousand years ago did that too so like it happens yeah matt's like yeah it sucks but uh, you know i'm not sorry i'm not dead so <laughs> it is what it is um Rand says so you're clearly dressed to go does this mean you are going to head south take take over like i asked you to he's like um no uh, at least not right away i'm going to camelin in other words i'm coming with you and Rand, I, that wasn't his plan huh another one but he does kind of go hi it's why? one of those moments where it's like okay well matt has this weird uncanny ability of not losing Maybe it's not the worst thing to bring him to the fight that you want to win. I mean, he is Taviran. He's got some funky things going on. What's, what's the worst that could happen? Seriously. I, I'm thinking of worst things that can happen. I don't want to talk about them yet. We'll wait. No, we can talk about them later. <laughs> okay. They move along through the castle, heading out towards where they're going to get ready to go. And they're met by Moraine and Egwene. Hi. And Moraine has a couple of sealed letters. This is the second day in a row. She's got two More? letters for him. Yeah. But this time they're written by her. One of them clearly for Rand. One addressed to Tom Marilyn. Interesting. He's like, what's with these? She's like, they're for later. Yours has some things I'd like you to ponder. Not now, not now, but to think upon later on. And the one for Tom is something I want to get to him when next you see him. I figure it's safe for you to hold on to it. You're most likely to run into him again soon. Well, that's really suspicious, but okay. And again, she comments about, you have changed so much from the boy I first saw outside the Wine Spring Inn. I mean, You're hardly the same at all. I pray you have changed enough. It's like, okay, here's Moraine going all cryptic again. What? Moraine, I haven't changed that much. Yeah, I have to use the power to shave every now and then now, but like... He also says, yeah, I haven't changed too much because anytime I do these two, and he's referencing Avienda and Egwene, put me right back in line. They yell at me about how I'm changing and I'm not supposed to. And then I have to yell at them about how I need to change. And it's just a whole mess. Then Moraine does a very Moraine, a very old school Moraine sort of thing. She kind of takes charge. She says, there's something I need you to see down by the docks. Down by the bay, where the watermelon grows. No, where the water buffalo grows, isn't it? <laughs> Dad, <laughs> what do you think a water buffalo does? <laughs> no, it's a different thing. It's a veggie tail thing. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's got a water buffalo. Yeah, is fast. you got it. Mine is slow. <laughs> So Rand's got no time to go to the docks. He's like, I've put this off already. It's time to deal with Ravine. She's like, it's just, it's important. You need to see this. It won't take that long. He looks at the others and they're all kind of, I mean, even Asmodians, like, you know, there are legit reasons it might not be bad to go to the docks. You know, it won't take too long. It might be good for you to be seen in public before you just disappear to Camelin. It'll make it take it longer before anyone possibly notice you're not here. Look, at the end of the day, let's make Moraine happy. That's Avienda and Egwene's line. <laughs> Please the eyes to die. Do it. Mostly Avienda saying that. But uh, the most it should take is an hour. So Rand says, fine. One hour. Then it's Ravine time. Okay. What happens from here to the end of the chapter actually moves along pretty quick. Mm. It covers six pages, but they just seem to fly. So I don't want to cover it all in too great a detail. I just okay. want to move okay. through it. Boom, boom, boom. I will not butt in too much. Oh, there are times you should you should butt in. I just I don't will wanna, butt in too much. Be, we're not going to be as meticulous as we might sometimes be. They really just need to read this to fully appreciate it. But first, 
we jump to someone we haven't spent time with in a long time now, Hadnan Kadir. Oh. Our good, friendly neighborhood dark friend. None of those things, save for the dark friend part, was accurate. He's down with the wagons by the docks. He's actually waiting for the stuff from Ruidian to be offloaded from the wagons onto ships where they're going to be mailed up to Tower Valon. Finally, maybe he can leave. He would really like to. He's so tired of constantly being stressed and nervous, being around the Dragon Reborn, being around Aes Sedai, all these Aiel. Any moment he might be discovered and killed. You know, he wants out. I mean, he's already had to kill a whole bunch of other dark friends to keep them from being discovered. He had a run-in with Moraine just yesterday. She came by and wanted to look at things and on the wagon right behind his, she had him take the tarp off. There was a tarp on that one covering everything because that's where the uh, doorframe Terangrial is. And when yeah, they, before, nobody who falls in very partway likes that yeah, experience. Somebody was totally traumatized that way. So they, yeah, they've kept it covered. And uh, no, now it's not covered again. So now people are twitchy again. And <sighs> now the birds are flying in and going, oh, that's a mistake. Not a good thing. He's standing there outside his cart as they arrive at the docks. Moraine, Rand, Matt, all the whole bunch. Lan, hadn't mentioned Lan, but Lan's there now. You know, they all Lan's go always there. down and and Hadnan is at the front. They walk past him and all the way down to the far end of the wagon train. And he's like, oh, good. They didn't stay by me. But after they're passed, someone greets him and he looks and right next to him is Kylie. Oh, Kylie. Now, oh, he's completely shocked. He hasn't seen her since the waste. Heck, she has not even been in this book. Mm hmm. He thought she was dead in the waste. Why have we not seen her in this book at all, Zach? Because Kylie is a guise for land fear. And at the end of the last book, the need for that guise ended. So she's just like left. Peace out. Kadir only knows Kylie as a highly placed dark friend, higher than himself, on the same par as Jason Natal. So he knows, you know, the Gleeman is a dark friend. He doesn't know why he's hanging out so close with the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. It's been very Turns confusing. Out, uh, but they're forsaken. So the fact Kylie's suddenly here, he's not happy about that at all. She walks into his wagon. She's higher in the dark friend ranking, so he follows. And upon getting into his wagon and closing the door, he discovers it's not Kylie anymore. It's friggin' Lanfear, as you said. She has Oop. dropped the illusion, and he's instant grovel. And she wants to know everything from him about what Rand has been up to since she was last around. Because she's been too busy to watch Rand herself. My question for you is, what do you think she's been up to instead, Zach? Other weird sus things. <laughs> They're weird sus I'm things. worried about ever spoiling things when you just have me like ponder and speculate. So that's <laughs> as far as I'm going. Well, we have seen her earlier in the book at times meeting with other Forsaken, being in the world of dreams. She's been around and involved in various gameplay. We know that. It's kept her busy, apparently. And she couldn't just hang out by her by her bow. Now we switch out to Rand and party. Hi, down Rand at the Joe. other end. Yeah, down at the other end of the wagon train. Rand is losing his patience because Moraine is now poking around. She checks in this last wagon on, apparently they have two of the seals hmm. that were found in Ruidian. And Why are they she's just making chilling sure. in this wagon? 
They're making sure they're still safe. They're still wrapped nice. You know? But she hasn't said why she needed him down here. He's like, come on already. We got to get going. What did you need me to see? At which point, Kadir's wagon explodes. That's not good. Literally just splinters of wood. But it's going to look really cool in the show. Right? And uh, they go rushing back to the front. What has happened? And as they're approaching the wagon, we find Lanfear, a woman scorned. She has just killed Kadir and is literally holding his skin, waving mm. it in the air and then letting it fly. Turns out power flaying, it's a lot like power mm. drilling. It just makes it really fast. Yeah. She turns on Rand as he approaches. She's furious because she just learned from Kadir he allowed another woman to touch him. Like, what's like a that a reference to? It's about the fact that she thinks LTT was hers, and then, like, there was a whole other wife situation where he actually didn't stick with her, and then it's like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, 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 hold on. Other people are maybe involved. Ooh, the maidens were talking about how he and Avienda were a thing. Ooh, that's a thing. It's like, we're already past that whole Ileana incident, and now you're doing it again. I mean, yeah. Because Moraine pushes past Rand going at Lanfear, but Lan is even faster and he pushes past Moraine, drawing his sword. And she's like, No, Lan. But Lanfear just smashes him out of the way. Lanfear, no Lanfear, but maybe should. Then Moraine is grabbed by air and drugged forward right up face to face with Lanfear. And she stares at her and then chucks her aside too. That's well, not that's who not she's good. looking for. Aiel in the area start veiling and coming at Lanfear. I mean, it's obvious to everybody there's power being used. There's oh yeah, there's one power stuff happening. The common folk, the Kyrianans, they're running away. The Aiel in the area, they're veiling and coming. Very different reactions, two different kinds of people. As they're coming at her, they start bursting into flame. That's flame starts flying out and burning them all. Ow. Lanfear doesn't even look at them. It's like an automatic defense mechanism. Rand's not real good with his people going crispy. No. So he diffuses the fire. He does something with the power that puts the fire out, and then he drops a dome of air over them, basically cutting everyone else off. So Lanfear can't get to anyone else, and he and her can deal with whatever this is that's going on. It's a little force field. How does he do this? He doesn't know. No idea. He just does lose Theron memories again perhaps just things from the past that he used to know in a different time that he just suddenly can do because he needs to Rand senses movement on either side of him and realizes ah crap Egwene and Avienda are still in here inside the dome he had meant to keep them out I mean Matt's outside Jason Natal's outside you know, but nope, somehow they had come close enough to him they're still in here oops so fine Maybe we can work together and deal with this. So he starts channeling so that he can grab Lanfear, immobilize her with air, while Avienda and Egwene then could shield her. Hmm. Nice plan. But even as he's forming the weaves to grab her, they snap. Like Lanfear clearly knows what to do about this. She That's cuts his trick. weaves. They fling back at him, which apparently is a little uncomfortable. Hmm. It's like uh, then, rubber bands getting snipped. Right, right. And then she, with air, and maybe a little more, grabs both Avienda and Egwene, and they start howling in pain, whatever she's doing to them. 
out. Yes. Rand doesn't like that. So he likewise cuts her weaves. Not Again, really knowing kind of, what to do, how to do. He just he knows just it needs to be it. done. He knows it can be done because he just saw her do yeah. it to him. And he figures, I can probably do it too. And just does. And hopefully he remembers how to do that. Because that's a really good trick. Egwene just collapses to the ground. Avienda doesn't drop to the ground. But she's clearly shaky and not up to doing anything. Lanfear insists. As basically everyone else is taken care of. And it's just her and him now. She insists, you are mine. Mm. And he counters. Now, there's a clear internal struggle with Rand as his past mm. life and his current life are kind of conflicting here. But this is a high stress moment. And he simply says what comes out of his mouth as the best way to distract Lanfear from hurting the girls anymore. And his line is powerful. I won't, I'm going to read it verbatim. Do it. His response is, no, I was never yours, Mirren. I will always belong to Ilyena. And then after a pause, he finishes, your name is Lanfear, and I'll die before I love one of the Forsaken. I don't know how much this is a conflict between him so much as old him and new him are both very much, mm, let's, let's just not. Is there anything you can unpack from that, from what he said to her? Did we already know her name? We did, right? I don't think so. We maybe had it mentioned once, but clearly he yeah. accidentally referred to as Mirren before her name before is she Mirren. was known as Lanfear. She was Mirren. But. but then he uses the new name. Yes. And that's where it's like the first statement is LTT coming through Rand kind of. And the second statement is it's Rand. It's Rand saying, no, you're not even that person anymore. You're this monster. I've heard in stories. I'll yes. die before I love you. That being said, that's a challenge, Rand. Yeah. And, and we can kill that, you and bring you back and then you can love her. That's fine. Yeah, it doesn't go so well because it does lead Lanfear directly to then, fine, I'm going to kill you. And they battle with the one power. And for a while, Rand holds zone, but Lanfear's experience starts to win out. She gets to a point where instead of them just battling each other with the power, she starts trying to cut him off from the power. And when he realizes she's trying to shield him, he uses power to cut that weave so she can't shield him. But then she just comes back again and again and again. And each time she tries to shield him, she gets a little closer because she's just better at this. Yeah, he may be physically stronger in the power, but it doesn't count for that much when she can just dance circles around him in it. It doesn't matter how far you can take a shot on a basketball court if the other person just was way better at ball handling than you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that, the POV shifts to Moraine. She was knocked senseless out of the way under the wagon. So when the dome came down, she's still there, but nobody can see her. She's recovered her senses a bit and rises up from under the wagon and sees what's happening. There's Lanfear standing on top of the wagon, clearly channeling at Rand. There's Rand on the ground, on his knees now, clearly being overwhelmed, losing it. The end is near. Moraine's got to do something. She's a bit in shock, but not shocked at seeing Lanfear doing this to Rand. What she's shocked for is a very different reason, and it's important to recognize. Her direct thought, was this. The sight of Lanfear hit her like a blow. Not surprise, but the shock of seeing what had been in her dreams so often since Ruidian. What does this confirm for the reader, Zach? That she knew this moment was coming. She had been more or less planning for it since Ruidian. And all of her out-of-character stuff w was 
because she knew this was coming and she was going to have to do what she's about to do. Moraine's interactions with Rand changed distinctly right after Ruidian. Here's why. Here's why. And with that, Moraine acts to save Rand. Lanfear believes, again, that she's dealt with all the other threats, so her focus is completely on Rand. Moraine jumps up on the wagon, grabs the one power, and jumps at Lanfear. Now, Lanfear has just a moment to sense Moraine when she grabs the power, and she turns toward her, but doesn't have enough time to do anything. Moraine's momentum yeah. smacks into Lanfear, and the two of them fall back right through the doorframe Terangriol that Moraine had had uncovered. Lanfear's kind of got her power hands full with Rand, even if she yeah. is totally outclassing him. So when Moraine just goes, hey, loser, and then shoves her uh, full body clothesline into the doorframe, they, they both kind of just go tumbling. Yep. And the chapter ends with white light swallowed everything. And that's it. And we rarely do this, but today this is where we will stop talking and leave it. You do not get to hear the aftermath or what does this mean? Nothing from us. You have to wait till the next time we come back. Or later. All right. If you're a first time reader, suffer a little now. <laughs> no, make sure you read the next chapters if you haven't yet, because oh, there's good stuff to come. But that is where we're going to stop talking about regular stuff and we're going to spoil some things. So you should leave now, first time reader, so we don't spoil things for you. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next time. And for those of you sticking around. The spoiler room. Shall we roll? We should roll. Uh, I'm going to roll my little one this time, not my big one. All right. You've got a so solid got, chance here. Oh, yeah? I got an 11. Well, I have a 17. So you get to go first. What would you like to spoil, Dad? Oh, goodness. Which thing? Which thing? I have so many choices. <sighs> nah. Okay. I'm simply going to spoil the fact that, wow, Asmodian, what a doofus. Yeah. He's given orders to stay behind. Mm. He instead convinces the Dragon Reborn to let him come. And he's about to die twice. And it's entirely because he didn't just do what he was told the first time. I That's mean, amazing. Look, the first one. Yeah. The second one, maybe. Uh, you're saying he might have ended up there anyways. No, Rand didn't call back for more of them after. No, but just with the him... crew that was there. Him dying the second time doesn't necessarily require him to be in Camelot. Except that that's where the meeting takes place at the beginning of the next book, which is where Asmodian stumbles into someone who had just finished that meeting in Camelot. Yeah, but my point also being like that someone could just randomly get him in a pantry anywhere. No, not sure. Okay. But we know he bites it in Camelot and he's only there because he talked the Dragon Reborn into changing his mind. Like, correct. Sometimes. The you wheel can't wins win, man. the wheel you wills. Can't win. There you go. Sometimes it doesn't include you. We see out of the pattern. And that sucks. So, so there it was. How about you, Zach? What are you going to do? We're going to talk about the fact that we're not actually going to resolve the thing that we just said next episode. We're also not going to resolve it for books. Um, we're eventually going to like see it. one of those two people again. Like, early, well, we'll get there. Just calm down. Calm down. We're going to see one of those <laughs> people again in, like, a few books. But we won't know it's that person for no another few books. Then we'll know that it is that person, just different. 
And then we go a few more books later, and then we're like, oh, second to the last book? Guess Moraine's back, too, because there's those letters, and those are important. One of them's okay. The one to Tom? Super important. And very much shows, yeah, Moraine knew exactly what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, that plot line of her leaving that letter for Tom, because she and him are going to become an item and it's basically a love letter while at the same time saying, come rescue me. I don't think we're going to see that in the TV show. I think they are moving that plot line I mean, out. And a lot of the fandom doesn't fair. like that plot line. I love met. it, but they have met in the show. And so it's like, where do we have our foundation for it? Um, I, I think I it's think... totally okay. Moving some of it out, but I don't think you move all of it out. You move maybe the relationship yeah. out of it, but still go get more rain. I, I'm interested to see if Tom is going to be of any significance at all in the show. I think they might be just, you know, we can make do without Tom. I think if they do that, they're going to have a lot of angry people. But if they do away with Tom or Rain, it won't be too angry. So long as they do still have the Tower of Genji. Because yeah, yeah. that's so good. I agree. I agree. We will find out. But again, there's so much in the Wheel of Time and they're not going to be able to keep it all in. So... Some I mean, things they, are going to get axed. They could. They just really won't. And yeah. that's okay. All right. Good spoil. Good stuff. See, I took a simple little one and left you the big golden one. Yeah, I took I took the low-hanging fruit this time. Well done. Let me run our outro here. Reminding everybody, again, of the ways you can get a hold of us. We love to hear from our fans, our listeners. So find us on Discord, social media. Also, again, please like and subscribe. If you've stayed through this long... You should already be a subscriber, but don't forget to like the episode. Help YouTube know it should share it with more people. Yeah, like our content. We have a dog. There's a dog, exactly. And you saw the thing go by about Patreon again. We really appreciate and depend on the people who help support us to keep this going. So thanks. Look into Patreon. We'd love to have your support. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, Rolly. Bye.